And there's intimacy on the radio, and there's naturalness on the radio that can never be replicated on TV. The marvelous resurgence of radio as a political force in this country. News-related radio programming is evolving. There's a huge hole in our dialogue that can be filled by the synthesis of traditional radio and the freedom that comes from a live podcast. You're about to experience Cowboy State Politics Live. Here we go. And welcome to yet another incredible installment of Cowboy State Politics Live. From very high above all other puerile and pedantic forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. Well, good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. You know what I've heard from the Wyoming media? I bet you can't figure it out. Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Did I hear something? No. That's right, my friends. After after yesterday's explosive undercover investigation, I've heard pretty much zilch from the Wyoming media. Now, this shouldn't surprise any of you. The fact is that the Wyoming media is very much in favor of the of all of this gender ideology and the transgender agenda. It shouldn't surprise anyone that they don't want to report on what's actually happening at the University of Wyoming. Now, if you followed yesterday's program, I sent a couple of inter- undercover journalists to events across the state, one of which happened to be to an event at the University of Wyoming, where we uncovered a, an incredibly profane drag show that you paid for. That's right, my friends. You are sponsoring drag shows. And not only that, they were held in the education auditorium on campus in Laramie. Now, I'm pretty sure nobody asked you if you were in favor of that. The truth is, the University of Wyoming has been sponsoring a number of events through their Multicultural Affairs Department. And all of them are intended to, in my opinion, indoctrinate students. That could be the only possible explanation for it. You see, it doesn't really matter what we conservatives try to explain to our university that we want to see out of it. It's a land-grant university, after all, which, whose focus needs to be on agriculture and, and the sciences. But the truth is, the university has strayed far away from that. Cowboy State Politics obtained documents that prove that the university is trying to permanently change its direction in favor of a more... Uh, uh, shall we say, gender-centered approach. Though their, two, though their 2023 strategic plan only mentions the word inclusion one time, documents obtained by Cowboy State Politics prove that what they mean by inclusion is to radically change the direction in favor of gender ideology. Now, I know that you're probably all getting sick of this. Well, I am too. But the truth of the matter is I'm an inundated by it, so I see no reason why you shouldn't be. To react to all of this, I thought I'd invite Joey Carenti back on the program. Welcome to the program, Joe. Well, good morning, David, and I'm happy to be here and glad that your audience is lending their ear my way as well. And it's becoming quite a regular thing, so I think I'll start uh, waiving my customary fee and just uh, participate freely and uh, make sure we're doing some good work on behalf of the people here. Yeah, you're right. It is becoming kind of a thing. That's all right. Uh, so, Joe, I guess first off, what was your reaction to the uh, undercover investigation that I published yesterday? 
I'm thinking it's going to be quite similar to a lot of people who listened to what you had to say, which was uh, completely shocked, but absolutely not surprised whatsoever. The University of Wyoming uh, has been doing things like this or leading up to being able to do things like this for years. And, you know, for me, it's not the uh, the transgender issue. It's the the push behind it, what they're attempting to get out of it, where they're doing it, how they're doing it. And the bottom line is they're having us as taxpayers fund it without, you know, any consideration for actual equality. You know, well, if it, we're all yeah. equal, then, hey, we're, we're throwing into the pot. Where do we get our say on what the university should or shouldn't be doing? Well, you know, we all kind of assume that the, the, the mission of the university is to educate students, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, science. And, you know, it, you, you brought up a good point. Like, I don't really care if uh, somebody wants to be transgender. That's their right until they involve children. I don't have a problem with drag shows until you involve children. I don't care if you like to view pornography as long as you don't involve children. And see, that's that's the point here, is that all of this is centered around our children. And it doesn't really matter if it's in the elementary school, the middle school, the high school, or at our own, our only four-year institution. I mean, it's 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 the same agenda the whole way around. And, you know, you also bring up a good point that, you know, nobody asked us if if we had any any thoughts on it. They just went ahead and took our tax dollars and paid for it. Yeah. And you bring up a good point that even at the university level, it involves children. And I think it's it's not an accident or a mistake where on campus this happened. This happened in the education auditorium, which is in the building of the College of Education. I used to work in that building. I, I was a, a tech in the computer lab for work study over a decade ago. And I happen to know specifically this auditorium is the only auditorium anywhere near actual children. They have an elementary school at the University of Wyoming. That's where they test out the you know indoctrination of the indoctrinators. And there's an elementary school and the closest classroom is about 30 feet away from the doors to the room where they had an event not only of this content, but the, I guess, overwhelming majority agreed, F the children, who are right across the hall. Yeah. Now, to catch everybody up, if you didn't catch the live program, first of all, if you didn't catch, or if you didn't catch yesterday's episode, uh, first of all, if you didn't, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> Actually, uh, let me just catch you up. So um, it was... it. Uh, I sent an undercover journalist down there and, and they recorded a drag show um, and there was a lot of profane parts of it. And at one point during the uh, during their per their performance or whatever you want to call it, they had a question and answer period. And one of the one of the uh, members of the audience asked one of these presenters what their favorite part of of doing drag shows is. And, and the person replied, well, I just love the kids. I, I just love new kids and their energy. And then in the audio that I played on the episode, you hear somebody in the crowd say, F the kids. That's what uh, Mr. Carenti is referring to. Yeah. So with that, it's actually the quote from the performer was, I love my kids. Well, there are. Oh, that's right. That's they right. aren't. They aren't his, her, it, they, whatever's kids. These are, you know, your kids. And what I've failed to see in any of this, we don't want your hate and your rhetoric. We should be free to do whatever. Treat us special, you know, legislate special protections for us and fund us. And you have to accept us and you have to love us. Otherwise, you're a bigot. I have never seen a person on the left step out and say, I am a parent of this child and I want my child exposed to this. I want it so much that I'm no longer going to require that the taxpayers funded, I'm going to open my wallet and I'm going to support this activity specifically so my child can be exposed to it. Where are those people? Well, you know, it's okay for your kids, Joe. It's, you know, it's probably not something that they want their kids exposed to. And, you know, as you said, it's it was no mistake where they held this event. There are numerous auditoriums on the University of Wyoming campus but they chose the one in the education building right next to an elementary school. I wonder yeah. why. 
Well, you know, the building houses an elementary school, you know, it's the closest door to it. And like I said, I worked in that building and I worked in the building next door. And the funny thing about this building is on the wall, on every entrance, about three or four different places, you'll see a, a sign that says, uh, we protect our children. This is a nut free zone. <laughs> but if you go down to the other end of the hall where the vending machine is, they still have, you know, payday and Snickers and the vending machine. And then across the other side of the building where this auditorium is, they're letting these nutballs in. So how can you have a sign that says we have a policy or at least a principle where protecting our children is, is, is important to us, but the thing you're saying specifically you're protecting them from is still present and a thing that we can tongue in cheek, make a joke about the other nuts are things you're letting happen right in front of where these children can experience it. Now, I, I, like I said, I've got personal experience in this building, in this area. I used to also do some instructing with ROTC and some of their special programs and right out in front of Wyo hall, which is next door to the education uh, building. They have a playground and Wyoming hall is where the ROTC is. And we got numerous complaints that us practicing drills, rifle drills, uh, barking, yelling, some of the ROTC cadets smoking was of a negative impact to the children. So we had to move or not bring out the not real, just wooden stock rifles, not in front because we can't expose children to that kind of thing because it might traumatize them. Does the University of Wyoming have a policy where it's actually considering protecting the young people, not just the college students, the elementary school children that are on their campus, or do they only apply it when it benefits them or makes them eligible for more federal money? Because I have not seen a fundamental implementation of a principle across the board in any of these cases. It's only... We have principles so we can apply them when we feel we want to, but ignore them when we don't. Oh, I doubt they, they even have a policy like that, Joe. Um, I've, got, I've had numerous reports of different elementary schools and, well, maybe not elementary schools, but middle schools attending drag shows on the University of Wyoming campus. Now, I haven't been able to get any video or any audio recordings of any of those. So at this point, it's just kind of, you know, secondhand information. Uh, but, you know, considering what was recorded by my journalist, um, I see absolutely no reason not to believe that the university has been putting this on. Now, Joey, I want to read something to you. And I mentioned this in um, in the yesterday's broadcast, uh, but I just want to get your um, your reaction to it. So I have in my hand what was co what's called the inclusivity pillar, and it's one of the documents that was used to craft the uh, um, um, the 2023 strategic plan. Um, and here it goes: "Quote, achieving the goals noted here require us to permanently change many of the ways that we think think how we have conducted research, scholarship, education, community engagement, professional development." and the ways we generally conduct business. We cannot make lasting systemic and structural change without actually changing systems and structures. What do you suppose that means, Joe? Uh, they have an agenda that is probably one-sided and going to be applied unilaterally against the will of the or the interest of what the actual uh, institution was founded for. Again, I think it goes back to we have to do certain things or appear to do certain things so we can be eligible for more federal dollars, more uh, redirection of tax dollars that come back for our special social programs. And they're doing it. They, they are doing it um, successfully at the university. This kind of thing would not have been able to happen at the university 10 years ago. You know how I know, and this might shock some people, and some people may call me a hypocrite, but I was involved with a burlesque show in Laramie when I was in college. Most of the trope was university students. I was the host. They did Rocky Horror Picture Show. We were all acting, performing to age-appropriate, ID-checked-at-the-door audiences. We were not allowed to perform on campus. Well, so there's, a big difference. The there's a big difference between a play and a drag show. I would agree. Acting and entertainment and, you know, playing a role. I never believed 
that I was Dr. Frankenfurter. And I also didn't believe that I was actually a woman or required that other people believed or treated me as such. We knew we were playing parts and we were doing roles, but still the university denied us use of their facilities to put on that show, even though, and here's another difference between putting on a play and a drag show, we were raising money for the library. We weren't performing in a library, but ah. they, refused, they refused us. And so not only do I know that the policies of UW have changed to incorporate this, to get, you know, some kind of attaboy for their social narrative uh, because they refused it before, but, you know, now they're doing so when we know for a fact that these venues exist off campus because we had to do it. We were denied. And I'm not complaining. Hey, we found a way to do it. If you're motivated to get it done, you'll get it done. And not everything has to be at the university. But uh, we're, we're getting away from the idea of we need to teach young people how to think, not what to think. And our university needs to be focused on Wyoming-centric businesses and operations. We do not need to have 220 degree programs that 95% of them immediately guarantees that as soon as we've, you know, paid for a kid to go to college through the Hathaway scholarship, they're definitely going to leave the state. Then again, with some of the things they're learning and being exposed to, I'm kind of glad some of them are getting the heck out of here. Yeah, for sure. All right. We're uh, after the break. I want to give you a little pushback. And, you know, there was an event that happened or almost happened at the university back in 2010. And many of you might remember it, but um, I want to compare the two and see exactly where we land on, you know, free speech and events on campus and, um, you know, all of those things. So we'll do that after the break. Cowboy State Politics is your source for fair, true journalism in the state of Wyoming. I know it's crazy to think that the most conservative state in the country only has one really conservative news outlet, and you're listening to it. Now, you can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps, iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com. There, you can find all of the shows, as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If you're one of these guys that thinks that you're informed because you pay attention to the Wyoming press, well, what you need to do is go to CowboyStatePolitics.com, pull up an article, and educate yourself, and find out that you've been wrong all along. Yeah, I know. It's probably going to hurt your feelings, but sometimes that's necessary. Just ask the Redcoats. New episodes of the program are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And then every Thursday at 10 a.m., Cowboy State Politics Live. You know, the program you're listening to right now. I cover mostly national issues on the Thursday program. You know, the stuff that we don't get to at other points during the week. You can find the link to the live program at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. So check out all the Cowboy State Politics episodes every single week. And now, back to the program. As every listener to Cowboy State Politics knows, the mission of this program is one of truth. That's the whole reason why I have the website. That's the whole reason why I document everything that I talk about. So that you don't have to believe me. You can go read it for yourself. You can teach yourself what is true and what is not true. You know, and last night I was sitting around thinking about this whole thing. You know, I've been, you know, I've been dealing with this, what's been happening at the university for about three weeks. Uh, well, actually more than that, uh, from editing the video, um, corresponding with my journalists, tracking down documents. Uh, you know, I've really been inundated with it. And so I put together a little, uh, um, a, a little quick presentation just to kind of explain to you where I'm at on this. 
Truth is not illusory. Facts exist. The logic of Aristotle and Plato works just as well today as it did in Greece. Natural laws can't be broken just because we don't agree with them. The Earth revolves around the Sun in an elliptical orbit. Acceleration due to gravity is 9.8 meters per second squared, and it hasn't changed since the Earth was created. Facts are facts, and our society has operated on them since the very beginning. What was true in 1235 is no less true 788 years later. Reality cannot be changed. While you may deny it because you're more comfortable in your delusion, it doesn't make it any less real. Since the very first human took his very first step on this planet, there has been man and woman. And every other living creature on this planet, including all plants and animals, have either males or females. That is a biologic fact. These characteristics are as immutable as the law of gravity. Though we may be able to alter our appearance with surgery and drugs, that doesn't change our essential nature. To argue any differently is to deny reality. And by definition, denying reality is a mental illness. Facts are facts. Truth is truth. And only the very delusional will argue with that. In 2010, someone at the University of Wyoming invited Bill Ayers to speak on campus. In an article published in the Laramie Boomerang entitled UW Announces Cancellation of Bill Ayers' Visit, which was published on March 31st of 2010, Aaron LeClaire, who, which if you, if you don't know who he was, um, he was the very liberal Nick Reynolds before Nick Reynolds was the very liberal Nick Reynolds. Um, he basically wrote all sorts of leftist journalism that were that we're pretty familiar with these days. Um, his equivalent might be Leo Trotsky Wolfson. But let me just let me just quote from the article real quick, and then we'll talk about it. The University of Wyoming announced Tuesday that a public lecture. The University of Wyoming announced Tuesday that a public lecture by William Bill Ayers, a former 1970s radical anti-war protester who is now a university professor, has been canceled. Ayers, 65, is, is a distinguished, prof distinguished professor of education and a senior scholar at the University of Illinois, Chicago, had been scheduled to give a public lecture um, on Monday at the University Education Auditorium. Huh, that's interesting. The public lecture had been sponsored by the UW Social Justice Research Center, which, interestingly enough, um, that's now the Shepherd, Shepherd Symposium on Social Justice. That's what they call it now, which is privately endowed, a privately endowed center that studies problems of oppression and inequalities among different groups. Well, anyway, what happened is Bill Ayers was invited to speak on the University of Wyoming campus, and there was a gigantic uproar about it. And it, it was one that that reverberated across the state. Um, at the time, I wasn't even living in Wyoming. I was in working in Virginia and I heard about it in, you know, in the Virginia press. This was a big deal. And so in the end, uh, the invitation to have Bill Ayers speak at the university was rescinded. Now, my question for our guest is, what is the difference here? Between the oh, Maybe if I unmute him. There you go. Uh, the difference between the uh, drag show and Bill Ayers is, you know, the I, I, I don't know exactly if there's a, a line that can be drawn. It's just that that some point the University of Wyoming had the better sense to say, maybe this isn't appropriate, especially if we're going to have it in the education auditorium. Not that it's the same thing, but the, the Bill Ayers thing. Let, let me let me liken it to the uh, Dennis Prager visit. There was a big uproar when Dennis Prager came to visit, and they almost canceled that show and cited security concerns. But the college Republicans at the University of Wyoming fought the fight and said, no, this is free speech. We're allowed to do this. Also, Dennis Prager was only being accused falsely of, of, of perpetrating uh, hate speech. In fact, people were calling him anti-Semitic, and I'm pretty sure he's Jewish, a fairly staunch yeah, he's Jew. Jew. So, so you got this guy that's being accused of hate speech, being told, we don't want you here, but 
the same people on the left tried to bring a documented domestic terrorist to the education building at the University of Wyoming. So at some point, the University of Wyoming had sense. If they stopped something like that, what they're trying to do now, I believe, is saying, hey, baby steps. We can start indoctrinating and normalizing this kind of stuff that eventually leads to massively outlandish behavior, you know, Provenza-like pre-domestic terrorism. And uh, I think, they, like I said, they have been charting the path because to have Bill Ayers come out back in that climate, that was too much too fast. They've spent the last dozen years or so preparing the ground and normalizing things like this so that they can eventually get to the point where they can have their hardcore socialist domestic terrorists come at your you know cost to the taxpayer and indoctrinate your children. Okay, so let me let me just kind of fence with you a little bit here. Now, Bill Ayers is an admitted terrorist. I mean, he wrote a document, oh man, back in, I don't know where the date, but it was the late 70s. And it was entitled, You Don't Need to Be a Weatherman to Know Which Way the Wind Blows. And in it, he advocates for uh, violence, blowing up buildings. Um, and he and his wife and his followers, um, Joe, what are you doing in the background there? <laughs> oh, sorry. I just closed the door to my... Uh... <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's all right. Anyway, so Bill Ayers and his wife, Bernadine Dorn, and their followers um, set off several bombs. Um, there's actually, if you go to uh, in Washington, D.C., there's a bank. I can't remember which one of them, um, but it still has the damage that was done from the shrapnel of Bill Ayers. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Um, Bill Ayers' uh, bombs that went off. Um, so... Yes, he's an admitted terrorist, but no, he was not convicted. So does not Bill Ayers have free speech at the University of Wyoming? I mean, why, um, why should we prevent him from speaking if we're, uh, if we're going to complain about this drag show? Oh, well, first of all, terrorism isn't a crime. It's an act of war. So you don't have to get convicted to be a terrorist. Believe me, I've spent 20 years fighting in the global war on terrorism, and there's a difference between a violation of law that makes you a criminal and an act of war that makes you a terrorist. There's, there's been a lot of arguments about, you know, the guys down at Gitmo, do we give them fair trials? Well, you know, there's, it, you're an enemy combatant of the United States. It's a different thing. Do you still have free speech? Uh, sure. He still has free speech, but does he raise a security concern that is legitimate based on his previous actions because he admitted them? Absolutely. You know, and I, I think that needs to be, you know, taken seriously as opposed to, you know, the security concerns they raised when uh, Mikhail Gorbachev visited. That was all based on the perception of what people were going to feel about what he was saying, not the fact that, you know, the guy started World War III. He helped prevent it. So I think there's some something to be said for legitimate security concerns at that time. And now, you know, the bottom line is the University of Wyoming, they have a police force and uh, they should be taking care of those kinds of security concerns up front. Uh, as far as, you know, free speech goes, sure, we can do everything via Zoom. We learned that during COVID. So if you want to have Bill Ayers come, go ahead and have a Zoom meeting. Here's where here's where I, what I'm driving at with this whole thing is that all that, that liberty is freedom with restraint. Uh, John Stuart Mill, and I, I quote John Stuart Mill on the program all the time, um, but he, he said that the only acceptable use of government force is to prevent harm, like, and he meant actual harm, to another person. So in Bill Ayers' case, Bill Ayers openly advocates for violence. Now, he's tempered it a little bit in his old age, but still, he advocates for the use of violence. Okay, that's a restriction on your free speech. You know, it falls into the whole inciting a riot category. Similarly, if your actions via free speech are intended to harm another individual, then there's restrictions on that as well. That's why we have obscenity laws, you know, in every community in Wyoming, frankly, in every community in the United States. There are laws that prevent you from engaging in salacious behavior out in public. Now, if you want to do that behind closed doors, well, that's your business. Go ahead and do it as long as it doesn't harm another individual, namely a child. 
but we have obscenity laws specifically at our public institutions to prevent those things that would cause harm. And indoctrinating little children and college students sexually is one of those. And, you know, I mean, it's it's apples and oranges when you talk about Bill Ayers and, you know, disinviting him from the university and what happened at this drag show. Two totally different things. You agree, I Joe? Would, I would agree. And I would also agree now that, now that I see the point you were driving at, which I don't necessarily disagree with at all, being able to draw the distinction between an individual appearing to caught with the intent to cause harm or the appearance of an individual having other people that can't control their feelings incite harm. If you, if you get what I'm saying, the people standing outside of the Dennis Prager event, they were the cause of any harm that could happen. Not Dennis Prager. The reverse would be true with Bill Ayers. So I see exactly what you're saying. Um, and, and the truth is we have a responsibility, you know, we have a responsibility to protect the innocent. And a lot of people get into the pro-life argument. I say, you know what? I'm not pro-life. I'm pro-innocent life. Because if you violate certain liberties of mine and you think my property is worth your life, you might end up giving me your life and me not giving you my property. But I don't believe that innocent unborn life should be terminated. And we need to continue to protect those lives after they're born and until they've matured to the point where they can constructively deal with some of the concepts visuals and experiences that we are now forcing on them we're, it's almost like we're trying to brand children so early so that we can have you know our team all set up or at least the left is and they're not even allowing them to be children they're becoming you know little soldiers for the for the left wing you know agenda and it's absolutely ridiculous it's robbing them of childhood and possibly a future absolutely uh, we'll continue after the break. If you've lived in Wyoming for any length of time, you know that just because it's May, that doesn't mean it's going to be all nice and pretty out all the time. That crappy, inclement weather isn't done until at least after Memorial Day. Trust me, only a fool goes to the mountains on Memorial Day without a set of chains, a winter coat, snow boots, and a shovel. So while you're putting on the chains, trekking through the snow, or wading through the mud, you should really take care of those feet of yours. No matter what unfortunate circumstance you've got yourself into. The Buffalo Wool Company makes the most amazing socks that I've ever worn. They'll keep you warm in the winter and dry in the summer, and they have a wide variety of different socks. They've got some crew socks for if you wear tennis shoes or all the way up to boot socks. So it doesn't really matter what you're doing outside during this Wyoming spring, you should probably be wearing a pair of Buffalo Wool Company socks. Go to their website, thebuffalowoolco.com, and take care of those feet of yours, because they certainly take care of you. As you no doubt are keenly aware, I'm a fan of just about any Wyoming company. Just about, I said. And one of them you should really check out is New Trend Hats. They're a company that's based in Kemmerer. They make those hats with a really cool ponytail hole on top of them. And right now, they have a wide selection of hats for both men and women. Being as cold as it is, you definitely don't want your ears to get cold either. So go check out New Trend Hats. I'm sure you'll find one to keep those ears of yours nice and toasty warm. That's New Trend Hats. And now, back to the program. Welcome back. Cowboy State Politics, Wyoming's most listened to political podcast. I'm David Iverson, and my guest for the, the hour is Joey Carrenti. So, Joe, another thing I wanted to talk to you about, and this is completely changing gears, is the Wyoming State Central Committee of the GOP had their elections last Saturday in Jackson. Um, Frank Ethorn handily defeated Frank Moore. And so I guess before we get talking about it, I just want to get, get your reaction to the election. Well, first, I got to apologize for all the noise in the background of the first half of the hour. 
you know, I'm sitting here in my custom Morton building. I hear some scratching at my window and I see a raccoon on my trash can. So I grab my uh, 410 shotgun, handily acquired from Gunrunner Auctions, and throw on my uh, new trend hat, peek my head out the door, scare that little guy off. And now I'm sitting inside warming back up with my Buffalo Wool Company socks. And you know what I'm thinking about? Hot, Hot wings. wings. Yes. So apologize for all that earlier. Um, the election. You know, we talked about this last week and uh, very concerning about what, you know, one of the candidates was saying about their intent, not recognizing that they're going into a service position and not really having any idea who the people are, how the counties operate, how the state operates, what the rules, what the uh, policies, procedures and principles are. And assuming that just because he can say, you know, I'm not bad man, Frank, that likes bad orange man whatever he was actually running on. Uh, you know, I, I expected it to go a certain way and it did. And not because an individual won, but because I believe a majority of the representatives in the state central committee had a conversation with their county central committees and brought forward that voice, which is why I think when Frank Ethorn won and said, I'm going to spend, you know, the next two years trying to win over those 25 votes I didn't get, I think Frank's math is off a little bit because really only about nine or 10 of those votes does he need to win over. The rest of them are votes from individuals who just came forward and voted. They pulled a Cheney. They voted their conscience. They never talked to their central committee. They didn't have a meeting prior to the state meeting to get a feel for what the voice of grassroots Wyoming Republicans wanted and so I think if that had happened, we would have seen a, a landslide in a larger margin. Probably the biggest thing that, that shocked me about the whole meeting is that, well, not how many rhinos were there, how many redcoats were in attendance, um, but the, the complete lack of understanding of conservative principles. Now, if, if you know Frank Ethorn, um, you, we can say a lot about his past and January 6th and all that stuff. Uh, but the man has principles and, you know, he, he, he sticks by them and every single, not every single person of the central committee, but most of them, um, many of them that I know, um, we all believe in those principles and, you know, it, they're not, we're not going to vote for somebody that we don't know anything about. And, you know, it, from the very beginning, when Frank Moore announced that he was going to run for chairman, he never once said what his principles were. The only thing he said is, I believe in the platform 100%, and I voted for Donald Trump. Okay, well, there's a lot of people that are elected to the Wyoming legislature that say that they believe in the platform too. And then, you know, their, their actions prove otherwise. And so what happened is we had the election, the room was full of people, and then Frank Moore lost, and the room emptied out including Frank Moore, even though, you know, before the election, he said, I'm going to be involved in the party and I'm, I'm going to help and I'm, I'm here, to, here to further the cause. I don't know if he actually said any of those things, but it's kind of the general tenor that I got from the audience. And then right after he lost, they all left the building. Now, one interesting attendant, and I want to talk about this with you, Joe, was Minority Leader uh, Mike Yin, a Democrat. Now, I'm, I have no problem with Democrats trying to show up and learn something. You know, they might maybe learn what principles are. Um, but uh, there's something that came up in the news, or at least it was on social media, about Mr. Uh, Mr. Mike Yin and the Democrat Party. Care to uh, elaborate, Joe? Uh, yeah, let me first start by saying I have no issue with a Wyoming citizen attending a meeting of a private organization that is open to the public, which is what Mike Yen did. I don't have a problem with uh, any Democrats, libertarians, uh, constitutionalists, unaffiliated voters coming to observe our business as long as they follow the rules, which Mike Yen did. Um, I will give him a pat on the back for being probably the first Democrat to show up at a Wyoming Republican Party meeting and admit that they're a Democrat. Most of the time, they just admit that they're, you know, a representative from Natrona County or Laramie County, um, and they're a Republican. So good on Mike Yen for at least, you know, being honest about it. But Oh, I was happy to see him there. <laughs> yeah. So he made a statement, and uh, little Leo Trotsky uh, quoted him as saying, 
Another difference Democrats hold their chairman elections every four years, while Republicans do it every two. And that immediately jumped out at me with all the people talking about he should have been there, shouldn't have been there, we like him, we don't like him. None of that bothers me at all. But Wyoming statute, Title 22, Section 4, Subsection 111, says State Central Committee Organizational Meeting. The State Central Committee of any major political party shall hold an organizational meeting in odd number years at which it shall elect from its electors registered in the party a chairman. I read that as every time an odd number year comes up, you shall have this meeting and you shall elect your chairman. So if the state law says every odd number year you have to elect a chairman, how are the Democrats following the law and electing their chairman for four years at a time? This becomes hmm. a bigger, <laughs> there, there's a lot of facets to concern here. First being, maybe Mike Yen just admitted that Democrats don't follow the law and the former Secretary of State who received their most recent bylaws at their convention in 2022 um, didn't look at them, review them, or find out if they were actually legal. So Ed Buchanan may have failed to say, hey, wait a minute, you're supposed to be doing this every two years. That just means they're not following the law and nobody's doing anything about it. Or Mike Yen is wrong as the senior Democrat in the legislature has no idea what's going on with his party, admitted publicly that his party violates the law or didn't know that they were violating the law while he sits on the committee that oversees the governance of our election law, the corporations committee. Fascinating. Who would have ever thought that Democrats wouldn't follow the law? Now, of course, you know, it, it could be that just Mike Yen was uh, was mistaken. But I, I find that kind of hard to believe since he is on the corporations committee. You know, the people that write elections law in, uh, in the state. Uh, but, you know, uh, it doesn't surprise me at all that that may have been overlooked by our former secretary of state. I mean, there was a lot of things that got overlooked. Um, during his tenure. Now, so I guess the question is, what do we do about this whole Democrats only electing their chairman every four years? I mean, is that, um, is there anything that we can do about that in your opinion, Joe? Well, since it's a violation of the election law at the state level, um, again, we would probably send it through uh, the Secretary of State's office. But I've, you know, I've already had some pushback on this. Um, on social media saying, well, it doesn't say you shall elect every odd number year. And I'm like, that is a weak loophole argument. If it says in an odd number year, you shall. Exactly. Okay, so, so it's going to be another technical argument of this. And I don't think we're going to, you know, what I really like to see out of this is a, a clearer definition of what this statute means, a further recognition that the state being more involved in, in private political parties business is, is causing all sorts of turmoil. This is really the Democrats' business, and however they want to do it, they do it. But if everyone's going to be held to following the law and we have equal protection under the law, we should have equal execution of the law. So why isn't Natrona County suing the Democrat Party? You know, they sued the Republican Party over pretty much the same thing. Our bylaws don't fit their agenda and what they assumed was state law. They found out they were wrong. But we need to start seeing these things applied equally or removed from government responsibility because this is, could be a hindrance in what we talked about last week, the Democrats reinstituting themselves in small counties, growing their party, and giving some of these liberals a better place to go than our backyard. So the, my biggest problem with this is Either the Democrats are breaking the law and getting away with it, or I'm put in a position where I have to side with Carl Allred and Mike Yen is a freaking idiot. <laughs> I really hate that. I hate Mike Yen for doing that for me because I don't want to be a parrot for Carl Allred. I want to be a person that believes that we have good laws and they are enforced properly and everybody wants to follow them and where the law doesn't need to be like private organizations such as political parties, it gets out of the way and allows us to conduct our business. Well, in my opinion, the best the best possible outcome would be to get the state entirely out of the political party business. Um, that it, the, the Republican and the Democrat Party are the only two private organizations, private corporations 
that the state tells how they can operate internally. I mean, it's that those statutes were set up so that the people down in Cheyenne could control what the what political parties do. And I mean, the best thing that could possibly happen is that the Republican and the Democrat Party were made to control their internal operations themselves, which up to and including the primary election. I mean, if we did that, then, you know, the Republican Party could handle their primary election how they saw fit. And so could the Democrats. And it would completely get the state out of it. Um, that's how a lot of other states operate. Well, that's actually how the other half of Wyoming political parties operate. In the same law, your minor parties handle everything internally. They are banned by statute from participating in a public primary paid for by the tax and taxpayers and tabulated by the county clerks. So if we actually have political equality as it states in the Wyoming Constitution, then we shouldn't have two sets of rules. And and unfortunately, the way they set up Title 22 for the major political parties, their intent, it worked so well that it filed it down to one party. This is why we're having the problem we're having now, because government has their thumb on the scale, entrenched electeds who no longer care about policies or principles. They care about position and the perception of power. They're in there forever. They think they determine what the uh, principles of the party are. They don't want to listen to the people anymore. And, and, and it's time for that to change, at very least to say, we don't need your help because you know what? You don't regulate the VFW and tell us how to elect our commander. And you don't regulate the American Legion and tell them how to elect their commander. And because the two organizations are fundamentally different, one, you just have to be a former service member. The other one, you actually have to be a veteran of a foreign war. You don't say, hey, you guys are kind of different in the same boat. We've got rules for you, but not for you. They stay out of it. And the VFW and the American Legion not only work just fine, but get a lot of good political work done as private corporations. As they should. All right, we've got one more break. And then after, I'd, since, since we've been talking kind of half-handedly about the media, I think it's only appropriate that we poke some fun at it. And we'll do that after the break. Do you like hot wings? Well, if you don't, what the heck is wrong with you? Well, my friends, I happen to be obsessed with them, and the best wings you're going to find in the state of Wyoming come from the Wing It food truck. They make the most incredible wings, and it's not just hot wings. They have several other different flavors. I personally recommend the garlic parmesan wings. They're amazing. And the way that you can figure out where that truck is going to be is go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com, and look underneath the Sponsors tab, and you can find their schedule there. That way, you can plan your entire week around where that truck is going to be. That's the Wing It Food Truck. Morton Buildings is one of the leading metal building companies in America. They manufacture a lot of their own materials, and they've been doing this longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do it better than anybody else around. So it doesn't really matter if you need a garage or a barn or maybe a roping arena so you can do all of that rodeo stuff when it's 23 below zero, or perhaps a giant warehouse for your business. You should give my friends Nick and Jesse a call at 307-674-2532. Just tell them what you're thinking, and they'll handle all the details. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. And now, the conclusion to our program. A phenomenon that's been building in the media for quite some time is that people are just generally distrustful of major media outlets. Um, they don't think that they're being told the truth, and they're being they're being told things that uh, they don't necessarily believe. And you see a lot of this with this gender ideology. Uh, an article published in The Blaze yesterday entitled, quote, This is not even a remotely conservative media outlet. 
Matt Walsh calls out Fox News for using female pronouns to refer to men. Now, if you don't know who Matt Walsh is, he put together a video, uh, a movie entitled What is a Woman? And if you've never watched it, I highly suggest that you go check it out. I mean, the whole movie is incredible. It goes around trying to get people to to explain what a woman is. And it's it's truly bizarre and absolutely shocking who and how many people refuse to do that. From the article, quote, conservative commentator Matt Walsh of the Daily Wire is calling out Fox News for perpetuating radical leftist gender ideology by using the preferred pronouns of people who identify as transgender. Walsh, who is known for combating the preposterous dogmas of the left-wing gender-bending movement, contended that Fox is not a conservative media outlet. Quote, from Matt Walsh here, Fox continues to promote the radical left-wing gender ideology by referring to men as she. This is not even remotely conser- a remotely conservative media outlet. They have long since adopted the most extreme and absurd positions of the left, he tweeted, uh, while highlighting an article about tr- a transgender woman, Dylan Mulvaney, that referred to the biological man using female pronouns. Now, this this is pretty much what I was getting at when I put together that little... Uh, that, that little audio clip for you earlier uh, this morning and yesterday, that facts are facts. It is a biologic fact that a man cannot become a woman and a woman cannot become a man. But you have all of these media outlets um, bending. I don't know if it's bending to the the will of, of the Democrat Party or to leftists or what it is. But a lot of people are sick and fed up with it. So they've been gravitating towards media outlets um, like cowboy state politics, like the blaze. Um, and, uh, I mean, Joey, do you think that I've got that right? That it's just, people are just sick to death of having all this shoved down their throat. Yes. Cause most of the time you feel like the question is being asked as a bait in a trap. That's why most people don't want to answer. Not because I don't think I could explain to you what a woman is. I know what the answer is. It's biologically born female adult human. That's what a woman is. A girl is a biologically born child female human. You know, it's, it's not hard to actually define. But to fit into all these other, you know, inclusion dialogues they have to make you feel like you're about to get trapped and you're about to get trounced and no most people don't care i don't care if you think you're a woman i don't care if you think you're an elephant i I could care less i'm not going to support it by recognizing it myself i don't have any constitutional responsibility to do so i'm not going to uh, you know, go around and let you fly your freak flag in other people's face at a violation of their liberty. I'm not going to help fund the flying of your freak flag, and I'm not going to find a way to legislate special responsibilities, powers, rights, protections for you just because you think you're something you're not. When you die and your bones go in the ground, if they dig you up, they'll be able to tell by your DNA or skeleton structure what you are. You cannot argue that regardless. And and I'll use the University of Wyoming as a point. The group that sponsored this show was the Multicultural Center. Well, when I went there, there was only four centers. There was the Disability Services Center, the Veteran Services Center, the Multicultural Center, and the Women's Center. Well, since then, they've added the Rainbow Resource Center, which falls under the Multicultural Center, which is really sad because the multicultural center actually used to focus on multiple cultures of foreign students. And now they seem to have been taken over by the LGBTQ community that was put in there. But if you take one of these transgender students under the multicultural center, can you send them to the women's health center and have the university recognize them and provide them female health care? Interesting question. Because if you can or you can't, that means the University of Wyoming has its own definition of what a woman is because it has a center dedicated to addressing issues. Now, honestly, the Women's Center at uh, the University of Wyoming used to only be their abortion recommendation center. Now they've added women and non-traditional students. So if you're a little older or whatever, you're lopped in there. So all of a sudden women are non-traditional. That means that if they have these things, the university has a definition and I'd expect them to publicize it. 
Well, and it's, I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, you've, you've got a lot of our institutions. Um, and since you mentioned the university, we can talk about that. But, you know, there's a lot of institutions that, I mean, have adopted an agenda. And, you know, as it relates to our universities, uh, our, the point of a university is not to teach an agenda. And you mentioned it earlier in the broadcast that the point of schooling is to teach you how to think not what to think. I mean, and the idea is you educate somebody and they, when they're done with their formal education, they come out and they can, they're able to think independently and critically. And, you know, where, and here's an interesting thing I looked up the other day. Um, if you look up the words indoctrinate and educate, they are almost identical, except in one respect. Indoctrinate means that you are educating someone as to beliefs. That is, you are pushing a belief structure. And so when you when you look at all of the things that um, not just the University of Wyoming, but news outlets, universities, um, you know, it, you can you can fill out the list yourself. But if they are teaching things that are not facts, they are indoctrinating you. And that is they are teaching you what to believe or telling you what to believe. Um, and, you know, when you look at all of the media outlets, uh, Fox News, um, certainly CNN, PMS, NBC, um, at all, you know, if they, they are almost religiously, <laughs> pun intended, teaching a belief structure and not facts. And, you know, this, this isn't a new phenomenon with, uh, with the media. I mean, the media has always pushed their, their own particular agenda. And, you know, it's fascinating to me being, being a student of media when, uh, when people usually um, kind of reminisce about the media, they always go back to Walter Cronkite. Well, he wasn't exactly unbiased. He was just a little bit better at hiding it. You know, look at his support for the Vietnam War, and then later he, he changed. Uh, but the media always pushes an agenda. And so that the only way that you can really get, um, you know, get a true idea of what's going on is if you do your own research, you know, read it for yourself. Um, that's why I provide all the articles for you or the ones that, you know, you couldn't quickly find on your own. Um, you know, and I, I guess instead of complaining about all of this, the big question is, what do we do about it? How do we how do we get back to educating people and not indoctrinating them? Well, we got to we got to start in the uh, elementary school system. First thing we need to do is look back to where this started. 1979, Jimmy Carter, with a swipe of a pen, created the Department of Education at the national level. Um, that's not in the Constitution. I don't think it's a legitimate Department of Government. Uh, it's just a, a what do you call it? Money laundering apparatus. Uh, but what they did 40 years ago was you know, they, they started testing how could they start to indoctrinate your children? I was part of that test phase in elementary school. And one of the ways they did it was by actually standardizing the testing. They taught you how to regurgitate, not how to think, not how to reason, not how to learn, but how to repeat the correct answer. And that's been successful. And that, that, that line's been moving for decades and decades and decades. And uh, how do we fix a system that big? I don't know. What am I doing? Oh. <laughs> After we, no. after we uh, experienced this um, university issue that you brought up yesterday, uh, I immediately said exactly what you just asked. What, what can I do? I'm nowhere near the university. I don't have a kid in college. And I said, you know what? Alternatives. I maybe not be able to beat the beast, but I can go after what they care about the most, which is money. So exactly I right. I, yesterday, I registered with the Secretary of State, a public good not-for-profit, and it's going to be called the Blue Collar Scholar Program under the Rural Relief Project. And what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next six to nine months raising some money, put together scholarship packages for the uh, class of 2024. Any kid in a rural area in Wyoming, their senior year gets accepted to anything but the University of Wyoming or any of the community colleges in Wyoming. You go to a trade school, even if it's not in Wyoming, we're going to make sure you get a scholarship. You graduate from that school and you come back to rural Wyoming to ply your trade, we're going to double your scholarship. We need to hit them where it hurts and we need to do it in a way that helps Wyoming. Excellent. 
Um, that that's a perfect place to end this episode. Uh, Joey, thank you, thank you very much for uh, coming on the program again. Now, again, if you haven't listened to yesterday's installment of the broad of the program, um, it's an undercover investigation of what's been happening at the university, and we've been talking about it through uh, through this whole hour. There's also a companion YouTube. Uh, video that goes along with it. A lot of this stuff, you can't really understand what's what I'm talking about without seeing it for yourself. So you can find that link at cowboystatepolitics.com or it's in the uh, episode description on Podbean or wherever you get your, your podcasts. I highly, highly suggest that you go listen to it. It's not pretty. Uh, make sure that you don't have any children around when you're listening to it because it is quite vulgar. Um, but you as a Wyoming citizen, you absolutely need to listen to it. Now, uh, coming up on Saturday's installment of the program, <laughs> there's a state representative that doesn't think that she needs to be recorded. In fact, she got a little bit irritated about it. But I'll bring you that story on Saturday. And then next on next Wednesday's broadcast, I'm kind of one of those people that believes in a one-two punch. You know, you never file, fire all your ammunition at once. So on next Wednesday's program, I'm going to show you how what's happening at the university ends up in your local community. And that's next Wednesday on the program. But for now, from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is the Wonderful Age Boys Politics. <laughs>